Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today is Sunday, it's the 26th of February, 2017. Let's go ahead and do our contact info and then we'll jump in with the show. I have a voicemail, which is 206-745-2731. This is a Google voicemail, so you are limited to three minutes. I also have an email address, so if you would like to write an email, I can read it out for you on the show. Or if you would rather record your own audio and send that to me, the email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Over at the website, there are buttons for Facebook and Twitter, also for YouTube, and you can check those out if you'd like. I also have a donate button for PayPal. A quick thing, oh, I guess I should mention the website is firearmscafe.com. So anyway, a quick thing about YouTube, and I can't remember if I talked about this on the last show or not. I don't don't think I did, but I have some plans now that we have sort of upgraded our uh, internet speed and downloads and uploads and all that stuff. We were really limping along with old technology, uh, and it it did okay, but uh, as far as trying to upload anything to YouTube or even uploading the shows, it just took a long, long time. Uh, so uh, for instance, the show that I uploaded last week, it, it did it in a fraction of the time. And that's just with an audio file. Uh, it got so bad with YouTube for me to upload stuff that I just sort of gave up on the idea of really doing any kind of videos or having anything like that. So a lot of the stuff that I'd like to do over there that could be companion pieces for this show, or even for armed ape or just for other stuff, just on my YouTube channel, just I really felt that I just didn't have the ability to do that. So I'm going to probably do a couple of uh, maybe test videos, upload those in the next couple of days, see how it goes. If it works out, I have some plans for doing kind of companion stuff for Firearms Cafe and also for the Armed 8 podcast. Part of what I wanted to do in the past was I thought, well, I've got the, I've got the audio already. So what I can do is I can either use a series of video footage or a series of still photographs, and then I can use the audio kind of would be a a voiceover. So you could sort of watch the thing. And when I would talk about a certain thing, I could have, you know, links pop up for where you would need to go. I could have pictures of the things that I was talking about so that you could sort of kind of follow along. Uh, I also thought, well, maybe what I could do is sort of truncated versions of the podcast to where I would say, this is a companion video for show number, you know, 146 or something. So for last show, and then I could have maybe it's a five minute thing that says like, this is what I talked about and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. It it just depends on kind of how it works out, how it would look. Uh, And it could be something that it's like, well, you know, tried it a couple of times and it doesn't really work out or it's, it's not as it didn't uh, convey the the feeling or the information in the way that I wanted to. So like I said, I'll have to do a couple of test videos, which I'll probably just upload and then take down or maybe just do it on something real simple. 
uh, and then we'll kind of go along from there. Because I think it would be nice sometimes when I, I know with this show and with the other show, sometimes I'm trying to describe a thing and it would be neat if you had a companion video where you could go and, and sort of look at it. All right, so enough of the YouTube stuff and some of the behind the scenes things. On the last show, I was talking a little bit about some of the current political stuff with Trump and uh, touched a little bit on like how the a lot of people on the left are protesting a lot of stuff. Recently here in Arizona, and it's not just in Arizona, there's, there's several other states that are Oh, um, trying to pass, I guess, maybe anti-protesting laws. So there's states, I think, Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Indiana, Michigan, Iowa, Georgia. Uh, I've got a list here. Minnesota, Missouri, Mississippi, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, South Dakota, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington State. And I think those are all the ones. They all have some type of thing that is going to limit, ultimately would limit protesting. Now, they're not couching it that way. What they're basically saying is, look, there's a lot of protesters now, and these protests are, aren't peaceful. They're going into, they're crossing over from, from peaceful protesting and crossing into riots or violent actions or actions that are being used solely to intimidate uh, people. And uh, so uh, it's one of those things for, uh, and we, we talked a little bit about it uh, on previous shows and I've talked a lot about due process in the past few shows. And it seems like the, the gist of some of these bills, and I haven't read all of them. And since I live in Arizona, this is the one that I'm the most concerned with. But the one in Arizona is basically saying that what it's doing is it's opening up or expanding racketeering or I guess, well, I guess technically would be anti-racketeering laws or legislation. And what it's going to do is it would use that stuff to target, excuse me, to target the people at these protests that actually cause the damage. It would also target, and that you could say, okay, well, what's wrong with that? That's not that big a deal. They should be held accountable if they're out there damaging private property. But it also would target, target gosh, I can't say that. It would also target the people and hold them accountable, the people that had organized the event. And right now, a lot of people would say, well, that's great because it's going to get rid of, you know, Black Lives Matter. It's going to hold these people accountable. It's going to do this. It's going to, you know, and you know whatever whatever group you're against happened to be against at the at the time, but again, if we if we look at it in K and we say kind of in reverse, is that a good thing? Meaning, let's say that we had a rally at the state capitol for uh, protesting certain limitations on on magazine capacity or something like that. Let's say that let's say that like a proposed magazine uh, capacity law was going to be passed here in Arizona, much like they did in Colorado, where you were limited to 15 rounds. And let's say they were going to try and do something like that here in Arizona. And then a bunch of people went down to the state capitol. We'll say that it went through the Senate and it's got to go through the House. And so a bunch were having a a big rally down there to show up. And then somebody from uh, anti-gun side, once this law is passed, let's say, could go down there and say, well, I know what I can do. I can go down there and I can throw some bricks through the window. And then... I can run off, and if I get arrested, so what? I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll maybe 
take one for the team because it, it furthers my anti-gun agenda. But I know by doing that and by causing a bunch of damage that I can hold, that we can get the, um, the group that organized the protest. And let's say for it's in Arizona, let's say that the group that had organized the protest was Arizona Citizens Defense League. So now are people from there going to be held accountable? Is, is that entity going to be sued? Are those people going to go to jail? Because you would have, for lack of a better word, a, a provocateur that would come and do stuff. Now, it's interesting when you look at the people that are proponents of this bill. They're, again, it's basically all Republicans. And they're also, they're also voting to do asset, se- asset seizure or asset forfeiture of the people that were involved or the people that organized it. Whether or not that would, that would be after conviction or post conviction, I don't know. Uh, it looks like it may be post, but I could be wrong on that. It could be pre, you know, it could be that there's no convictions. It could be, you could just be arrested for it. And so they kind of, they, they seize everything and then good luck getting it back. So also, again, the proponents of this, which was basically in my state, which was mostly all the Republicans and the Democrats were mostly against it. And again, the reason that the Democrats are against it is because it's, it's sort of their team that would be affected by this. If it, were, if it were reversed and it was something where like the Tea Party could be held accountable or certain gun groups or this, that or the other thing or certain conservative groups, I guess I should say, then, of course, the Republicans would be against it. They wouldn't want it. So. Getting back to, again, the proponents, a lot of them are even saying stuff like, and if if I can find it, let me look here, because there was basically saying something that, well, of course, then they throw in the stuff of, well, law enforcement has to be able to deter violent protests. Well, you can't, again, it's, it's sort of like future crime. You cannot arrest somebody for something that they may do. And I'm trying to find the actual quote from, um... Okay, there's a guy, Senator Kavanaugh, and basically he's saying, he says a couple of things that kind of gave me pause for thought. And then one part, he, they're talking about the organizations that are going to plan protests. And uh, Kavanaugh is a former police officer, and he said, if there are organized groups, I should certainly hope that our law enforcement people have some under, undercover people there. And to continue his quote, wouldn't you rather stop a riot before it starts? Kavanaugh asked colleagues during the debate, do you really want to wait until people are injuring each other, throwing Molotov cocktails and picking up barricades and smashing them through businesses in downtown Phoenix? So again, it's a lot of fear mongering. uh, But the the part about having somebody infiltrate your, your organization, meaning law enforcement, and again, what he's talking about is the bad guys. But if you think for a second, that when your team is not up to bat, that they wouldn't try and infiltrate your group. So again, do you think that there's, do you want ATF agents attending and trying to infiltrate your peaceful protests against magazine uh, bans or against uh, certain gun restrictions or again, you know, it, it doesn't take much thought. Again, if you just sort of flip it, if you can kind of step back and a lot of people who are for this, again, because they think it's never going to be used against me. 
And so they're willing to give up due process. They're willing to trample the constitutional rights of somebody else because they consider them a bad person. And even if they are a bad person, we don't give up due process and we don't give up our rights to go after somebody else. Even if they deserve to be gone after, we, we have a set of rules. We have a way that we do things. And the reason that we do things that way, or I guess in theory, I should say the reason that we're supposed to do things that way is because ultimately it protects our, it protects us and it protects our rights. It protects the rights of the good guys. Because if you do find yourself in court, I mean, how many stories have we heard where somebody makes a mistake and they cross a state line? Maybe they didn't know it. Maybe they did. Maybe they thought they were okay. And all of a sudden they're looking at mandatory minimum sentences of 10, 15 years in prison for doing nothing except for being in possession of a firearm. So uh, again, you can uh, you can look up this stuff. You can Google just like Arizona uh, protest law or something like that, and it'll 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 pop up. There is an article over, and again, I don't. I just I'm just going off of what what's kind of popping up. So I don't endorse or or uh, or have anything for or against any of these sources. One of the sources is the Washington Post. I have no idea whether it's supposed to be a liberal or or conservative uh, publication. Uh, the other one uh, for the thing about Arizona was Arizona Capital Times. Again, I have no idea if they're supposed to be a liberal or or conservative. Uh, but those were a couple of the places where I where I got those. So you can look those things up and take a look at them. Having said that, it has in Arizona, it has passed the Senate and it has to go to the House. And if it does pass and if it and if these things do pass, I think it would go. It would it would be challenged and in higher courts. I don't again, I think that there is a way where by having some of those laws on there and by having what they can do, it really would to use a quote from somebody else. It really would have a chilling effect on who who would feel that they could be able to protest uh, again, if it was, if it was a protest that you wanted to go to and you wanted to exercise your first amendment, right? If you think, well, if I go down there and something goes wrong, is there a possibility that even though I didn't organize it, let's say that it was something again with Arizona citizens defense league. I'm a member of that. So are they going to go through the whole membership list and try and hold all those people accountable, whether you were there or not, because they're going to say you're a member of that group. And as a member of that group, you're now subject to asset, uh, asset seizure. You know, I don't know. I mean, we've, it's funny. There's a lot of people kind of have, they live with these sort of two opposing thoughts in their head. On, on one hand, they want to have all these laws and they want to have all these tools for law enforcement and they want to have all this stuff that can really go out there and make things super easy for law enforcement to quote, quote unquote, do their job. And yet on the other hand, they'll immediately turn around and say, yeah, but you know, it's not so great for ATF to have all this stuff. It's not so great when you can have your your bank accounts frozen. It's not going to be so great when they come into your home and take all your firearms and say, well, we're going to, you can't have these anymore because of this certain law. And that's what we got to be careful of. 
So anyway, I think I've kind of bleated on enough about that. I'd be interested in hearing what you guys think. Uh, do you think I'm right? Do you think I'm wrong? Do you think I've, uh, I'm being a little too overreacting to it? Uh, generally, I, I, I'm never in favor of giving the government more power, uh, especially you know when, when, uh, when I think it could be turned around on me later. Let's move on to a little bit of a different subject. On the last show, I talked about red dots, and one of the reasons that I was looking into them is the overall idea of it made a lot of sense to me, and I asked if anybody had any experience with it. Part of the reason I was saying that for me is that I wanted to go to it to a red dot system is that my eyesight isn't what it used to be. I can still shoot, but I've got the blurry front sights. Excuse me, I no longer have that crisp front sight uh, sight picture with uh, with the current prescription that I have for my well, for my lenses. And there are workarounds for it, and there are workarounds that I talked about that when I go to the range or something like that, you know, I can kind of do that. Uh, you know, I can uh, take the reading glasses, and it gives me up close vision again. Uh, but of course, that's not going to be how I am, am going to be out in the real world. I have been, I have done some shooting, you know, with the blurry front sights, and there is kind of a movement and saying about, well, if if you've got that blurry front sight, what you do is you just sort of put the the metal over the meat, meaning that you you kind of put the gun over the person, especially if you're kind of up close or what they would call, you know, quote unquote, self defense distances, which by that they mean, you know, within probably seven yards or less. So uh, I'd asked for some feedback and we got some from Bob Main over at Handgun World Podcast. And if you haven't listened to the hymn before, go ahead and give him a shot. I think you might like it. Uh, but check it out and see if it's something that uh, could be for you. So let's go ahead and we'll hear from Bob. Hi, Tony. This is Bob Main from the Handgun World Podcast calling in. Uh, you can put this on either of the shows that you want to. You had asked for some feedback on a red dot pistol. I want to let you know that I just took a three-day, 800-round red dot pistol class. I have a Glock 19. I sent it into Suarez International, and I got a Trijicon RM07 put on it. And I got to say, I really, really enjoyed the class. I think it's a game changer. I think that red dots are definitely a game changer. I highly recommend the Trijicon RMO7 or RMO6 because they can be manually adjusted or they can be automatically adjusted. In other words, the um, intensity of the red dot. And I really strongly suggest taking a specific red dot pistol class if you're going to spend that much money on a red dot because you've got to know how to use them. There's a certain way to use them. There's a certain way to quickly find that red dot so that you, you, you don't lose any time. If you don't take a class or get some kind of a lesson from somebody who knows what they're doing, your, your learning curve is going to be a lot longer. And the other thing I'm going to say is that whether you choose to purchase a slide with an RMR or send your slide in, I don't think it makes much difference if you send it in to somebody that uh, knows what they're doing. I do recommend the work that Suarez International does because i got a lot of experience with it now. I shot 800 rounds over three days just last weekend, and it was an incredible experience. Uh, just a warning to everybody, once you get used to a pistol with a red dot, 
you're probably not going to want to shoot your pistol with iron sights anymore. <laughs> That's a warning. And by the way, I do have the suppressor height sights. Uh, they are night sights that I had Suarez International install. And the total package was about what you've been saying, somewhere around 862 or 63, something like that, including all the labor. Well worth it, though. Well worth it. Uh, people say, well, you know, I could get another pistol for that. Yeah, you could, but it won't be set up as nice as a uh, pistol with a Trigicon RMR. One more thing. Uh, I'm 55 years old, and my sights are all blurry as well. Don't worry about it. That's another thing. You can learn to shoot with blurry sights. Uh, I did a podcast with Grant Cunningham about a month and a half, two months ago, where that's specifically what we talked about, how to shoot a pistol with blurry sights and a crisp, clear, in-focus target. Hi, Tony. Bob Main from the Handgun World podcast calling again. I'm sorry. I was just about ready to sign off when it cut me off. So the last thing I want to say is that get some professional instruction, and I highly recommend either the RM07 model or the RM06 model. The RM07 has a six and a half MOA dot. The RM06 has a, I believe it's a three and a half MOA dot. Okay, Tony, thanks again for taking my call. Use it for whichever show that you want. Bob Main from the Handgun World Podcast. All right, Bob, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. Glad to uh, kind of find out that you're a listener. It was nice. I had to get some feedback from one of my fellow podcasters. Anyway, one of the things that he had mentioned, or one of the places that he had mentioned, which was one that I'd talked about before, which was uh, Suarez International, and they're based out of Prescott, Arizona, which for me is only a couple of hours away. Now, since the last show, I have called around, and I only found one place, luckily it's relatively close to me, that has a red dot. It's on a, they said it was on a XD, I think is what they said it was on. But I will probably try and go down this week. I would have gone down earlier, but they said that the battery on it went down and they were trying to scrounge around for another battery, so to give them a callback. So I'll have to give them a callback, and then what I'll do is I'll actually reserve a, a specific time in that specific pistol for when I go down there so that I don't get down there and it's, uh, it's not available or somebody else is using it, that type of thing. Also, it'll be interesting to use one that is kind of on a range gun that sort of maybe gets shot a lot. We'll see. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to go down there and check that stuff out and at least get some firsthand experience with shooting it. I also had the idea of, I don't know if, if I took a class from uh, Suarez International, if they would be able to loan me a firearm that had a red dot on it so I could take the class because if I'm, if I'm like kind of getting in one of those catch 22s where I'd like to take a class, be able to see how the red dot would work in a class, but in order to do, to see if I would actually even like to buy one to see if it's something that would work for me. But in order to take the class, I sort of have to have the thing that I am looking to and doing research on whether I want to buy one or not. So I don't know whether or not that that would work 
it may be a thing, and I had thought about too, I thought, and I don't know, again, it may be too cost prohibitive, this next idea I had. I thought, well, what I could do is call and see if I could maybe drive up there. It's only a couple hours, like I said before, from me, that if I could drive up there and have them do maybe a, 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 a private session, and then what we could do is I could drive up on a certain, you know, maybe on a weekend, that way I could take my family up with me they could go and goof around. I could have an hour or two sort of learning the ins and outs of the red dot. And then after that was over within my family and I, we could still kind of goof around up there over the weekend and have some fun. So anyway, I'll send a, a shoot an email off to, to Gabe Suarez and his crew and see if that's something that they would be willing to do. If it's something that is like, you know, $600 an hour or something, then I, I, there's no way I'd do that. Uh, but if it's something where it was a reasonable rate where I could go up there and get a, you know, a good hour of one-on-one instruction, for, you know, with him and with that particular system, uh, that would be fine as well. So I don't know, again, like I said, I'll give you guys a report. Hopefully I'll be able to get out to the range this week and I'll give you guys a report on my experience with that XD over at, I think it was Ted's gun range or something like that down here, uh, which I've shot at before and it's a nice little range, but I'll give you guys kind of a report on that. I understand and I've watched enough videos with, with Gabe Suarez on stuff on using the red dot. I've watched other people with it and a lot of them sort of give you sort of that same the same pointers on it. And the, the reason that I would want to go to Suarez is because they've been using them for a while. And I think they've kind of worked out a lot of the training bugs with it. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of have to see from there. It's funny, a lot of people with him, you kind of either love them or hate them. Uh, he can be, and I don't even know if controversial is the right term, but I guess he's he's one of these, again, one of these like strong personality guys. I can, if I think the training is worthwhile, I can set aside somebody's personality if it doesn't mesh with mine. Uh, now, again, I've never met the guy. I've never had a class from him. He could be in the class one of the nicest, nicest sweetest guys around. You know, it's, it's a lot of times you have to take a lot of the criticism that these guys get kind of with a grain of salt. And also, I guess, the opposite side of that would be true as well. Sometimes you have to take a lot of the praise that they get with a grain of salt uh, as well, just because some people kind of fall into that cult of personality and no matter what the person does, they're always going to be, oh, that's you know that's the best thing since sliced bread type deal. So on kind to uh, some new stuff, I did sell one of my firearms that I've had for a long, long time. I had, I used to have a, Walther PPK. It was in 380. And I bought that. I think, man, I bought that back in 87, maybe 88. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I think it was maybe probably 88. I think it was maybe in 88 when I bought that thing. You know, I shot it for a while and I liked it and I originally got it. I think I was maybe like 21 or 22 back when I got that thing. And I originally had gotten it because it was sort of the James Bond gun and it was, you know, it's kind of cool. And I thought, oh, it'll be, you know, it'll be kind of a fun little gun to have. And if it's something that I can, um, I can keep in the car 
with me. It'll sort of be like my car gun. You know, it's funny, I, you know, way back when I didn't, you know, I didn't have really a lot of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of the philosophy, I guess, on how to carry a firearm, what you're supposed to do with it, you know, how you're, you know, all that type of stuff. It was a different, sort of a different time back then. And I had just a little kind of like cheapy uh, Uncle Mike's holster that I kept for it. And uh, I think I had at one time I had made a a little like leather, like taco style. You could barely call it a holster. Basically what I had done is I just bought some uh, uh, a scrap piece of leather and I folded it over the gun and then I poked holes through that and then just kind of in the, I think I did three holes on the bottom and a couple going up on the side and then cut it. It, it, And so the pistol fit in there, but it was basically just like a leather sleeve. And then I took rivets and I, so I poked holes on the bottom and then just used a a little rivet gun and and riveted it up. And that way I could kind of have it in my pocket if I felt that I needed it. Uh, But anyway, like I said, that was a long time ago. I ended up selling that now in Arizona and I've talked about it before, but if if you're listening, maybe for the first time in Arizona, you can do private sales and there is a thing called the back page and they have a gun section where you can list stuff. And so I listed that was able to sell it within a day. I priced it to sell. I priced it a little bit below. I probably could have got a little bit more for it, but I wanted to, I wanted to sell it and get a good fair price for it. So I priced it a little bit below what other stuff was going for. And of course it, it worked. I ended up getting like about four calls on it and I've had stuff on, on back page and things like that before where you've posted it and then you just, you get maybe one response or something like that. So, and you end up not selling it because you just don't get what you want. But anyway, uh, that thing was pretty much, it just lived in the safe. I never really shot it that much anymore. Uh, it was kind of what I would consider for me to be a little bit old technology. It's uh, all it had. It was a double action, single action. It was hammer fired and it was a little snappy. Now, even though it was heavier because it was all, it was all steel. Um, and I'll, 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 uh, I'll take a couple of pictures that I took of it and I'll put it up over on, on the Facebook page on the firearms cafe, Facebook page. So you can see some pictures of that thing. So anyway, but I'm kind of a pack rat. And so I had, I had the, I'd had the original box. I had, uh, I only had two magazines with it. But I had the um, original owner's manual still. I had the actual target that came when they test fired it at the factory. So I had all that stuff. It even had the little plastic uh, cleaning rod. And I think I'd bought that gun so long ago, I don't think it came with a lock of any kind. Uh, but the gun, it didn't have, it, so it, it had the, your safety was also your decocker type thing. And it, had a, it was a, kind of an odd way that you would field strip it. You had to pull down the trigger guard and then kind of push it to the side, then pull back. And so there, you know, there's a lot of little steps to it, but you know, when I had the gun, it was a neat gun. And I probably realistically, I think I probably only shot maybe, geez, maybe a hundred rounds of 380 ball through it. And then of self-defense stuff a few years ago, I put some. I think Remington Golden Saber, their hollow points through it. And it did okay with it. It did fine. I didn't really have too many hiccups with it. But 
again, it was kind of heavy and I felt that it was sort of there was sort of other stuff that was out there that would suit my needs better. So, and I, I'm, I'm in the market to get a, a different, uh, a couple of different guns. What I want to get is I want to, well, I want to try it too, is I want to try that the new Ruger LCP two, and that's going to sort of be my pocket gun. I have a, the car, uh, 380, the, I think it's like 380 P or whatever. Anyway, there's like a 380 C and then there's like a 380 something. And one of them's the nicer one. I ended up getting the nicer one. Uh, and it's a, it's an okay little gun, but I think I may want to sell that and get something like the, um, like that Ruger. Again, I think it's maybe a little bit better for my, for my needs, maybe for somebody else's needs, the car would be better. And they would say, well, the car is a better gun. It's a higher made gun, this, that, and the other thing. One of the problems with that gun is that the spring on there, I mean, I can do it. I can rack the slide and stuff, but to, to pull it back and actually to hold the, have, have the slide lock open without having an empty mag in there, the spring is super, super strong and it's super stiff. And so for my wife, she can't rack it at all. So I want something to, that the guns that I have, I want her to be able to run as well. And so she, uh, like she can run the Glock, she can run the, the, um, the VP9, the HK, you know, she can rack that stuff. She can do all that stuff and work the manual of arms with the, that little car. It's impossible. She just, she just can't, it's too hard to do that. So anyway, that one may be up on the chalking, excuse me, chopping block as well. But getting back to how you can sell stuff in Arizona, basically the way that the law works is you can post something on the internet. You could post it if you wanted to in the paper. Uh, generally, the internet's kind of the way that you go nowadays. And then you can meet and you can have a private sale. Doing your due diligence means that you you don't that you have to have. Well, how do I want to phrase this? you cannot think that the person would be a, a prohibited possessor. So if you had any inclination that the person was a prohibited possessor or that the person wasn't buying the gun for themselves, but was in turn maybe buying it for somebody else. So if you got to a sale and, you know, some lady comes up to you and you see like her kind of ne'er-do-well uh, boyfriend or husband off in the car, just kind of looking and not getting out, you may think, oh, this person isn't buying that for themselves. Or maybe, and you could just end the sale. You know, of course, it's all up to you. But pretty much once you say, well, I had, you would kind of go into that reasonable person thing where you say, well, no reasonable person would have thought that the guy that I sold this to was going to go out and commit a crime or was a prohibited possessor. Generally, the way that most people out here do it, they either, you, you of course, need to be 20. They want you to be 21 or over. You need to... Most people want you to have a concealed carry, a CCW permit, or they want you to be willing to sign a, a bill of sale and you have to be an Arizona resident. I can't sell it to somebody who's out from out of state. Uh, so you still have to kind of follow the laws and things like that, and you still could be liable for it. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone sold a, who sold a gun and then it kind of came back on them. So they sold the gun and then the person turned out to be a felon or the person turned out to, to go and use it in a bank robbery or something. And it got traced back to them. I, I don't know. I, in, in this state, there's so many, there's so many private sales that goes on and so many things that trade. 
I've, I've never really heard of it being a problem. And you would think, again, if it was a problem, you would hear about it. So anyway, all that kind of talk about me wanting to sell some things is I've got a couple other guns that I want to sell. And primarily it's because I don't use them, but also primarily it's because, like I said, I do want to get a, a take a look at that Ruger LCP2. I also am looking at getting an AK and I currently have one, but I think I'm going to sell that as well. What I'm looking at getting is I've got it kind of narrowed down to either maybe an Arsenal 107 or maybe a Vepper. And this, and these would be in 7.62 by 39. I, I, uh, for right now, I don't have too much interest in the, uh, what is it? Five, four, five by 39. I've never shot one. I, and I, I would, if I knew somebody that had one, I'd like to go out and shoot one and kind of see what they are. Maybe I can find one at a range that has it, but anyway, maybe I, one of those days that might be something that I wouldn't mind picking up as well. But with a seven, six, two by 39, there is just tons and tons of ammo for that. I mean, there's, it's, it's all over the place. Uh, and you can get pretty decent ammo. I've had I've had a, quite a bit of luck with. I know people don't like it, but I've had luck a lot of good luck with Wolf. I've had a lot of good luck with uh, even Tula. I know a lot of people kind of uh, poop all over Tula, but I've I I haven't really had any major issues with it. I think maybe oh maybe I've had one or two th- things that were maybe I, that I thought were maybe ammunition caused uh, but it, sometimes it's hard to tell you can think well is that the magazine is it this is it that is it just kind of a weird convergence of things that happened uh, so anyway I'm, I'm looking at getting one of those and I've kind I kind of like that vepper but the arsenal looks good as well so I'll, I'll kind of have to all how I do stuff is I sort of go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth uh, but what I part of the things that I'll do that will help me decide is like kind of some of the aftermarket stuff. Now, generally, I think there is enough stuff that would allow me to do what I would want to do. Because what I would want to do is have, uh, I guess you'd call it like an M4 adapter uh, to be able to put a buffer tube and uh, be able to use. And then once you're be able to do that, then you're open up to everything for all sorts of different stocks and all this other stuff. I don't really care so much about a folding stock. I've had some rifles in the past that have had folding stocks. And realistically, because I am not in a car eight to 10 hours a day with that rifle folded up for, for a little bit of ease of storage, the, the folding stock, while it's kind of cool and it's kind of fun, I, it, when I'm shooting the gun, I just, I've, I've, got the, I've got the stock folded back out. So for me, eh. The folding stock, while it's kind of a, a, again, it's kind of a a fun idea and it's kind of neat to have and it's kind of neat to have just because you can and maybe other people don't like it. And so it kind of makes somebody who's anti-gun kind of get their, their panties pulled up right up tight. But uh, for me, it's not too practical, I guess. You know, again, I'm not, I'm not jumping out of airplanes. I'm not, you know, in a vehicle where it might help me to, to be able to, be a little bit less unwieldy when I'm getting out and then I can, you know, flip that stock open and get it back in, into the lock position. So for me on, on both the Vepper and on the Arsenal, depending on which one I would go with, I think I would probably go with a fixed stock and then I want to be able to put different stocks on there. 
with the arsenal, I think because it's a stamped receiver as opposed to a milled, the Vepper is milled. So the, the, the one Vepper that I'm looking at is the Malat, uh, which has a little bit thicker receiver. But you can get around that stuff too. You can, if, if you were going to use some of the, maybe if you wanted to put a wood stock on there, if you wanted to go with some of the other AK stocks, you can trim those down and, and get those in there. But they, I think they do make adapters for it. I think there are some companies that do that I've looked at. So um, it'll, again, it'll just be what I want to do. The, the one that I'm actually leaning closer towards getting is the Vepper, and it's actually a little bit cheaper. The Arsenal 107 that I looked at is around probably anywhere, depending on where you can get it, maybe around um, $1,100 to $1,300. The Vepper is right around probably, you know, they, it's under, they say it's under 1000 but it's 999 So at least the stuff that I'm seeing now. I've in, in looking for stuff, mostly they're out of stock, and so I would have to kind of get on a wait list, but they're, they're saying that there's this stuff that they're getting in all the time. They're importing them in all the time, so... But that's kind of some of the reasons that I'm wanting to sell some of my stuff. Uh, also, I've just got some things that are just, they're kind of safe queens. They just live in the safe. I bought them and I thought, oh, this would be kind of fun. I'll try it out. And, you know, maybe I'll I'll use this for my, you know, home gun or I'll use it for this or for that. And eh, I don't know. The one good thing about guns is, or well, one, uh, let me rephrase that. One of the good things is what I meant to say about guns is that they do hold their value quite well. And especially if you take care of them. If you don't beat the crap out of them, if you don't do all sorts of weird mods to where somebody's like, yeah, I don't think I want that uh, because I don't know all the tinkering you've done with it. I don't know necessarily that it's safe or, you know, that type of stuff. So most of the the mods that I've done or, well, it's not even really mods. It's most of the like aftermarket accessorizing probably would be the correct term that I've done. You could reverse it. You could take it off. You, there's there's nothing that I've really done too much. And most of my handguns, I haven't really done anything to them, especially the ones that I carry. They're pretty much just bone stock, other than maybe getting different sights or something like that. But uh, for the most part, I don't really modify those too much. Now, that will change depending on with this red dot situation, depending on whether I uh, end up going with that or not. Uh, I do think that probably once I have some familiarity with it, I think it's going to be something that I'm going to like, and I think it's going to be something that will be for me. Some of, kind of get back with that a little bit, some of the objections people have to it is they say, oh, well, what if it's raining? What if it gets occluded? What if it gets this? What if it gets, you know, dirt on it or it gets kind of grimy? Well, I wear glasses. I wear glasses all the time. So if I'm out somewhere and it's raining and there's rain on my glasses, it's sort of the same effect. If there's dust or if I get mud thrown in my, you know, all these different objections that people kind of level at the red dot are sort of things that I deal with as someone who wears glasses all the time. So I don't, I don't think that that stuff will be too much. Again, I, I'm kind of talking a little bit out of my butt here because I haven't actually shot it or done it yet, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. And it's funny, you know, a lot of times too, and then this will sort of be the last part of this, and I'll probably wrap up the show here. A lot of the objections that people have to the red dots and the things that they say may happen with the red dots, they don't seem to have those same objections when they're on a rifle, which I don't really understand because you should, you should sort of have the same, some of the same objections. 
then that would be more in the lines of, you know, what if it's raining? What if it gets mud on it? What if it gets kind of smudged? You know, what are you going to do then? That type of stuff. So let's talk about one more thing and then we'll kind of wrap it up for today. And this will tie back into the Arizona protest law, I guess we'll call it that. And there was a Democratic senator, I can't remember, state senator, and I can't remember uh, the, the person's name. I was listening to, uh, flipping through the channels, and I was listening to, uh, I think it was maybe NPR or something. I can listen then to them guys for a while, but then I kind of got to, uh, sometimes they're so liberal in their in their bent. Uh, sometimes though they do, they, I will give them credit some for when credits do, sometimes they do try at least to give other sides and they try and give both sides of the story. Uh, but they gen, they generally d- definitely have a more left leaning, uh, bias in their storytelling and, and some of the things that they do. Uh, but anyway, I heard this guy and he was talking about, look, you don't punish a whole group for something that an individual does uh, or something that an individual in that group has done. You punish the individual. And I thought, well, and he went on and was, and gave a lot of cogent reasons and was very eloquent in his speaking and was logic and had logical thought with it. And I thought, well, where, where is your logical thought and your reasoning? And you don't punish one person for the actions of others, especially you don't punish the law abiding individual for the actions of a criminal group or another criminal individual. And I thought, well, why can you make that intellectual leap when it is something about protest and it's something about you want to protest maybe a conservative, but yet you can't make that leap when it comes to firearms. You can't make that leap when it comes to certain, certain rifles. And, and in, and in that case, that person, I don't know. Now I don't know his voting record and all that other stuff. So I, I probably am talking a little bit out of school, but I think it would probably be a pretty safe bet to say that when push comes to shove, that Democratic senator would vote for more gun control or would vote for more restrictive legislation based on punishing a group, not necessarily based on punishing an individual. So anyway, So that will be it for today. I want to say thanks again to Bob for sending in the feedback. I appreciate it. Go ahead and give his show a a listen. Check it out if you haven't listened to it yet. Again, if you want to contact me, I do have the uh, voicemail, which is 206-745-2731. We also have the email address, which is firearmscafe at gmail.com. And if you go to the website, which is firearmscafe.com, you can click on the buttons for Facebook and for Twitter and YouTube and check those out if you'd like. Also, I will post those pictures up on the Firearms Cafe listener page uh, of the Walther uh, PPK 380 that I sold. So you guys can check that out. All right. And you know what? That may be one thing. Maybe that'll be my first test video. Maybe. Well, actually, I can't because I don't have the gun anymore. So never mind. Um Although maybe I could do a test video, I'll do a little quick voiceover and just roll in the photographs and upload that and uh, uh, see that. So who knows? Anyway, all right. I will talk to you guys next time. Here we go. One step at a time, don't be living on the line. I don't need a friend. I got more than on the mind. Sunshine in my brain, making everyone complain. Baby
Oh,